Hello and welcome to Football Masterminds, the show where we attempt to say intelligent things about football. I'm Reese Desmond, and I am joined by the two who were here last week. They're back again. So excited to have them both back. Our guest again, coming back for another show. Here is... Well, his name on the screen today is a bit different. His name on the screen is King D. So here is King D, Dower Aziz. Hey, Reese. How's it going? I'm happy to be here. It was a wild weekend, a wild week. Uh, lots to talk about. Very curious to hear your thoughts on the Liverpool-Chelsea match uh, and have you and Costi wow. <laughs> battle it up for, for the conversations there. Here is Costi Kapoor. Hey everyone, we're back for um, another review show of the Premier League and this weekend, like Daver mentioned, was a huge one where there were some upsets with uh, West Ham beating Leicester 4-1. Uh, Reese, I'm going to say this again right now, Leicester is not going to be in the top four. That was Monday night though, they won on they won their game this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, they won this week. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong, like the wrong picture. I, I just, I just love, I just love Leicester one two one against uh, bottom table Norwich. Come on, Cosby. And West Ham actually drew this weekend. So yeah. Crystal Palace, which means Tottenham yeah. go top. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Tottenham yeah. top, Arsenal bottom. But anyway, really excited to talk about uh, all that happened this weekend. Me too. So let's jump right into that big match between Chelsea and Liverpool, which. I'm very excited to hear you guys talk about this. Kosti is a Liverpool fan and Dower as a big Chelsea fan. Why don't we jump straight into the red card? Because I think that was a big turning point for the match. Up until that point, Chelsea looking like they were going to do the same thing to Liverpool that they had done to them last season. And then the red card, for me, kind of changed what happened. So, Kosti, I guess first up, do you think it was a red card? And do you think it changed the match? The, when it started off, the game when the game started off, Liverpool were really good and they were dominating and we were doing really well. And then from nowhere, they scored this crazy Kai Havertz header, just looping over everyone, which was insane. Honestly, a great skill. Not It was against the run of play. Was it a red card? Davers' face, when it happened, told me it wasn't a red card. But if you ask me, based on the rules, I think it was a red card, but... It was very harsh. It was very harsh. I don't know, Kasi. Like, I just don't feel like in any way that's a deliberate handball. Dower, I'm sure you agree on this. It was not a red card by any means. Penalty? Yes. I 100% agree that was a penalty. But man, like, what do you expect of him, right? Like, the man is on the goal line. He is defending the ball. Like, he was... He, it wasn't even like the ball was going towards him, right? Like, he had to move in... To like the ball's trajectory to try to stop it, it bounced off of his knee, his thigh, right? Like, do you expect him to to just like have his hands bound behind his back and like not like move them at all as he's yes. like trying to defend? Like yes. that's it's kind of ridiculous though. No. That's 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 a bit of a ridiculous assumption, especially that's... since he he's like trying like and the way no. he was. <laughs> <laughs> no man like the way he was defending that right like he was also sort of falling a bit backwards like it's only natural for your arm to move forward when that happens like let it, me paint it, you a picture let me paint you a picture and then tell me if if uh this makes sense to you didn't know you were when, a painter when <laughs> when right backs and left backs defend these days where are their arms 
but that's different. That's like when they're defending a cross. If you're on the line, you are you are naturally like making yourself bigger, no matter what. You're not defending with your arms behind your back. That the rules are that if you make yourself bigger, which leads to your arm being in an unnatural position, or you could go vice versa. If your arms are in an unnatural position that make yourself bigger, then it's considered a deliberate handball, which then would mean that it is a penalty and it's a red card. But also the second point of this is when it hit Reese James's arm, his shoulder flailed forwards to push the ball away from him using his arm. Those are two very big things that happened that led to a red card. I think any referee looking at that would say probably deliberate in a sense that maybe it wasn't hand of God or it wasn't the Luis Suarez, you know, handball that we saw for uh, Uruguay. But exactly like those were like, yes, but it doesn't have to be that extreme for it to be a red card. It should be more than this, though. This is harsh, man. It's harsh. It's a harsh red card. I agree with you. It's a harsh red card. But it's not a harsh red card. It's like a harsh decision, like overall, like it was not a red card. Right, like he was yeah. living. He's on the line. He's he's freaking out. Obviously, anyone in that situation is. It's like a natural reflex to like flare your arm like that, right? Yeah. And it, I, I don't know who's walking. No, that's that's not what happened though, Kosti. I I completely agree with Dower here, and that's that's my point as well. Like, it's not that he made himself bigger in that moment. He didn't make himself bigger. It's that no defender on the line is going to put their hands behind their back. It's just not a natural instinct. Obviously, you are going. You are going to make yourself bigger in case it you can't block it with your knee and it hits your hand. That's better than the goal going in. So anyone is going to make themselves bigger. It's it's unrealistic to say that he should have his hands behind his back. But he, in this case, did not make himself bigger. He blocked it with his leg twice. And I think, in my opinion, it's the kind of reaction where he's panicking in the moment. And so his arm just does something like unnatural, let's say, Um almost like the opposite of deliberate like he's so concerned about giving a handball away that he's like accidentally flails his arm in the air and ends up connecting with the ball even then like is the ball even going in like mike who was it Uh, anthony taylor anthony taylor looked at that for half a second he did not look at that whatsoever he just took the advice of the vr if he actually looks at that there's no way that's a red card i don't i don't i don't see it and it, wasn't it like he only looked like a free, at a freeze frame? Like he didn't look at the whole like yeah, uh, just the just the freeze frame for like half a second, and then brandished the red card immediately after that. Okay, maybe I can I can get behind either a yellow or a red, but I won't say that the referee made a mistake. I think the referee was within his rights to give a red. Was it harsh? Yes, but this was just especially brutal because. I honestly thought like Chelsea were going to win that game. Like, yes, Liverpool were dominating possession. Um, Chelsea did have a lot of really good chances in the in that first half. There were some moments where I thought that Lukaku could break free as well. Like, there was this one moment when him, Kante, and Havertz were attacking. Kante had the perfect opportunity for a through ball to release Lukaku, but it didn't happen. Like, I honestly think Chelsea would have easily won that game. And they got that one point, which was huge considering like the attacking threat, threat that Liverpool had that whole second half. But uh, such a controversial decision here can have such huge implications, right? Like, like oh, we're here arguing about whether it was not a red card or not. Like, it, it wasn't even clear, right? But it had such 
huge ramifications for Chelsea that whole second half, right? So, so I'm definitely pissed. Like, I definitely feel like we were robbed. But uh, I agree with the fact that Chelsea had chances on the break, but that's nothing that wasn't expected, and it was covered. Everything was blocked. Our keeper didn't make any insane saves or anything like that, which Allison is totally within his rights to do. He's capable of doing. Chelsea are very drilled, well drilled. So def- playing them at their own game is actually probably the worst thing that could happen to any PL team. Uh, if Chelsea sat behind, uh, they have this uh, Mourinho park the bus in their head all the time. Um, so who, any manager could come in. If they have to park the bus, they're really good at it. And they it's, park it's not uh, parking the bus. It's just being decker. very good in transition, which is a massive difference. Um, double decker bus. Was part no, of not even close. In to the it. second half, come on, Reese. In the second no, half, in this a... game, yes. Okay, but okay, okay. I'm not saying that's. The, I'm not going to agree that that's, that's like their like style of. Play no, that's that not their. Like any yeah. any team would have done that. Any, any team, team would have. Yes, exactly. I agree. I agree with that. Um, and honestly, Liverpool just weren't clinical enough um, in the final third. It's not just Chelsea. It'll be Brighton. It'll be all those bottom eight teams that'll try and frustrate Liverpool like this. Teams have figured out a way to defend it, especially when they sit behind like Chelsea had to do because they were a man down. Yeah, so I guess what do you want to see from the team from like a non-transfer perspective? Because I've been a little bit surprised to see Thiago sitting on the bench in place of Harvey Elliott and maybe Firmino on the bench in place of Jota has been a slight surprise to, to not start all three of those games. I know he was kind of injured for this one, but... What do you want to see differently from Liverpool going forward if you can, if no transfers come in? Okay, so if no transfer come in and we as a team need to progress with the squad that we have, I would say that Firmino and Jota somehow need to start together because them both starting and picking up the ball where Firmino does in sec- in the uh, opponent's half, but also like in the middle of the park in that half. Yeah. Um, is a huge difference to what Jota does because Jota is a player who makes forward runs and is always ready to run with the ball and receive those crazy trend passes. Not saying that Firmino can't do that, but that's not his natural game or that's not his game that has evolved in the past three years. So I think if we are to do well this season, we have to figure out a way that Firmino plays in that number 10 role and Jota ahead of him in the number nine. And maybe that changes the dynamic a little bit. The other thing that I think uh, Klopp is trying now is introducing players like Harvey Elliott that have a little bit more flair to them, that are comfortable taking shots from, you know, 40 yards out. And those shots will end up near the net, which is important because that gives us another dimension. The other player that I was really surprised that wasn't involved in this game was Nabi Keita. And I hope he's not injured because that would just be... I would say we should sell him tomorrow. Um, and we're recording this on a Monday, by the way. So Tuesday is deadline day. Because if that guy's injured again, uh, he's pointless to the squad. Yeah, Kosti, I definitely think it should be 4-2-3-1. I've been surprised that Cop hasn't done that. I think he did that for a long spell last season and it worked fine. There was nothing wrong with it. And now without Vinaldum, it just makes sense to have Henderson and Thiago as a double pivot. Jota, Firmino, Salah... Mane, I just think that just makes way more sense. Also, what what you said about Harvey Elliott, like, isn't Jordan Shakiri wouldn't he have been able to do the exact same things to a greater extent? Like, I just don't understand 
why why is he getting sold after Vinealdum's already been sold? I don't understand. I think he would have been way better for that role. I think the problem with Jordan Shakiri is that like Klopp has tried to teach him the importance of defending and the importance of coming back. And Jordan Shakiri has never been that player. He's always liked to be a forward thinking attacking player. And that hasn't just his DNA hasn't been able to change in the past two years or three years that he's been at the club and Klopp has tried his level best to do that. And that's just something that wasn't in Shakiri's DNA and it couldn't be imprinted onto his DNA either. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's interesting to see Harvey Elliott given so much time at the start of this season. And I think people have been a bit quick to like really rave about him when I'm, he's just kind of just been doing very average at best. So yeah, it's interesting. Dower, what about you and Chelsea? What do you think they need to change moving forward? Like we like I like I mentioned last time, right? Like it's really looking like we're getting some depth in our team too, right? Like even so even in this last game, we had to take Kante off. Um, but it like we still like managed to hold our defense together, right? Like our our back three is solid, like we've got solid wing backs. Um now with Lukaku, we've got that atta- attacking threat. Even if he was taken out, I feel like we could make something of Werner, Havertz, Mount. Pulisic, like Ziyech. there's Ziek, exactly, right? Like, it, I mean, the team is stacked. I, I don't think there's anything more we can add. Um, yeah, like the, the, this team is honestly sick, right? The, See, the only thing we look for is uh, maybe uh, we should start buying refs like all the other teams are doing, <laughs> and that would probably win us some more games. <laughs> I love Kovacic. I think he's an amazing player, and. It's like whenever he plays in the squad, it's like you don't even miss Conte. And he's I just think he's wonderful at what he does on the ball, especially. But yeah, I kind of think the Chelsea system still isn't suited towards scoring goals. I think they they got three against Crystal Palace, which is great. But I do worry that even with Lukaku, they're still going to struggle to score goals just the way they play, trying to keep maybe just too much possession without actual mechanism for like verticality it's it's a lot it's a lot of width and a lot of crossing into the box without guiding the play towards a player like Lukaku yeah I think there's definitely some polishing that needs to be done uh you can still see that Lukaku is probably not super in tune with his teammates just yet like there were there were a few moments this game where I was like you know Someone should have given him a pass. He didn't get it. He should have given a pass. He didn't do it. Um, so certainly, there's definitely some polishing to be done. They like they could have scored way more goals against Arsenal. Like two 0 was just a joke. It could have easily been four or five. Um, but but it's I Arsenal. think that yeah, it is. It is Arsenal for sure, right? But um, but yeah, I think that's something that's going to come as they start playing more together. I think uh, Lukaku is the kind of player who is going to adapt easily to the Premier League. He already has. Um, we can probably even talk a little bit about the Lukaku versus VVD that happened this weekend. Um, I, I think he's he just needs a little bit, a couple more games. Uh, it's kind of rough that he, like, was, like, his first game was Arsenal, sure. His next one was Liverpool. He's going to play Villa next, but then it's Tottenham and City, right? So it's a pretty, like, intense start to his second Premier League uh, debut, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think as we progress through the season, we're going to start seeing the team start gelling more. And and yeah, I'm not afraid that they're going to 
start win- winning goals with a higher uh, sorry winning games with much more goal difference uh, on the verticality verticality point Reese with a three man defense can you really have more verticality than um Chelsea do because if Chelsea pay Jorginho and Kanté in the middle Kanté is uh he can carry the ball out of a dangerous situation and keep possession but he's not a he's not a he's not a Thiago he doesn't do that uh, the needle passing so uh playing yeah, through midfield is hard right yeah. same with Jorginho Jorginho is as Russell would say is a sideway passer he's not the type of person who will take or is the best at taking those risks in the middle of the park right it's not something that he does it's not his game so uh, where where do you get that verticality in the middle of the park from because you're not playing those players i guess i would just want Jorginho and kovacic to be more progressive with their passing and i would want mount and havertz to make better runs into space in central areas where they can receive the ball whereas oftentimes kovacic and Jorginho are like one touch play with each other or switching the play diagonally to the wingbacks, which is very effective and it works a lot. It, it helps to stretch the opposition out. Like against a team like Burnley, obviously that's what you want to do because they sit very compact and narrow. But against a team like Liverpool, you would hope that they can play a little bit more directly right to Lukaku right away, use his power, use his strength and his hold-up play to then engage more players. Um, like Wolfsburg kind of do this with Wout Weghorst and like they just play to him every single time they get the ball like we need to find this six foot five striker they Chelsea could do more of that I think I think that's fair and maybe this game I would disagree because Liverpool's fullbacks play so far up the field that if you stretch us out and you get to that initial press you you've basically bypassed everyone except for Fabinho Matt Matip and Van Dijk and that's what happened a lot of the times with Havertz and on the right and Mount on the left where they had the ball um, and they were running at defenders. Um, I think Lukaku versus Virgil van Dijk was a was an interesting debate that went on for a week in the build-up of this game. And I would say van Dijk won that one and he's not even back from injury. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think he won more aerial duels against Lukaku. Um, there was one time he slipped, but except for that, I think he was he came the better off the two. Yeah, Lukaku was quiet. Yeah, I mean, so for like the second half, like he was just not even in the game, right? Like he was basically playing in Chelsea's half that whole uh, time. But yeah, like like that first half, I, I think VVD did get the better of Lukaku. But that being said, I think if we didn't get that red card, I could see Lukaku probably scoring that game. He got into some really dangerous positions. He had some decent chances, even in the second half. Um, when when he had that Matt shot, that block, yeah, right, exactly. Um, he was definitely getting into some dangerous positions, and I I think maybe he would have scored. Um, but that being said, the next uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool, barring any messed up refing decisions, I think Lukaku is going to win that one. Yeah, he's definitely a better fit for the squad, I think, as a whole than a Timo Werner type, and I think he will benefit a lot from the crossing. It's not like I'm necessarily saying that that's not going to play to his strengths either. I just think they could play to his strengths a bit more and Mason Mounts as well. I guess I worry that they're not going to get anywhere close to the next team that we're going to talk about, which is Manchester City, who grabbed five against Arsenal, who did get a red card that I think we could all agree was very much a red card. Uh, Kosti, do you think anyone's going to be able to stop Manchester City? 
Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't see that help happening, especially with Ferran Torres's great first couple of games of the season. Yeah. Um, I think that the City Arsenal game was just unfair that it came at this point in the season when Arsenal don't have Ben White, don't have their other defender that I'm listening. Yeah, Gabriel. Ah, Gabriel. They are still their first choice center backs and uh, Holding and Chambers are okay. They're just not good enough. They started the game with five defenders. Like, they were playing a 5-4-1 formation. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just... I mean, like, that never works. Yeah, that's just very bad. Three games into the season and they're bottom of the table with, like, the worst goal difference, too. Like, worse than Norwich's goal difference. It's just poor management to be trying all these new things against a team that you know is so well drilled and will destroy you if you're not well drilled. I don't know why it's like this identity crisis with Arteta and Arsenal right now. It's either they believe that they're way better than they are, which I think is true, or they just know that they're that bad that it's, you could try whatever you want at this point. But I think that it's it's Arsenal not being able to decide that and understand that they're a club that's in transition, if you can believe that, if you trust in the process, and they need to be okay to play like a team that's in transition. Play your holding midfielders against City and go for a draw. If you get something out of it, we're very well. If you don't, then I'm sorry, but you're not quite there yet. I do think they just never stood a chance, but I also think Arteta played this match very scared and set his team up in a way where they were never going to get something out of it. Like It just made the decision for it, them, essentially. Manchester City were also very good, which we cannot necessarily uh, downplay here. Like I do agree that Ferran Torres was absolutely excellent. I thought his link-up play with others, his movement into space, um, it, the way he dropped in between the lines to receive and allowed Gabriel Jesus to run in behind him. He was very good. Gabriel Jesus on the wing has also been like a very good masterstroke from Pep. I think he's much more suited to a wide role than a striker role, and I think it's actually getting the best out of him in terms of goals and assists as well. I'm just actually... I just think no one can stop Manchester City, and I, to be honest, I always enjoy watching them. I just think they're so fun to watch. That's fair. The This is the greatest segue that we could have had into the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo to United, and what do we think of that? I'll be the host for two minutes here and ask Reese the question. <laughs> Reese, what do you think of Ronaldo at United? Could he ever have gone to City or was that just some marketing ploy by Jorge Mendes to get him the best deal at United? And do you think United are title contenders? Many questions here. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. I think it, you are probably right that it was probably agents just playing little tricks to see what would happen. And him going back to Manchester United was a big surprise. I don't think anyone was really expecting that like a week ago. It just kind of came out of nowhere, uh, like last Monday or whatever. And all of a sudden it was everywhere. And maybe even like later than that, I don't know. It, was, it just came out of nowhere. Um, and I, I am very surprised. I think he will sort of fit in because he's Ronaldo. Like he'll fit in anywhere he goes. Obviously he's just one of the best to ever play. The thing is like Greenwood was doing so well. I hate the thought of like limiting Greenwood's playing time. Rashford is obviously going to come back from injury at some point as well. So you're taking young players who are going to benefit from having time on the field out to 
I don't know, have more uniform sales, essentially. Like, do you, I don't think they're going to win the title by signing Ronaldo. So, essentially, it's a move to, like, let's bump up our uniform sales and maybe some ticket sales and whatever. But I don't necessarily think it's... Like, he's 36, 37. Like, what's, what is what is the point here, essentially? I don't think it's to win the league title. Um, that said, I think he will definitely help them get closer to the league title than they would have otherwise. And I do think if you can find a way to fit Greenwood, Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, and Ronaldo into the same attack and still have room for Paul Pogba, it's an incredibly dangerous side. And they won't be going games just keeping all of the possession without scoring goals. I think that's for sure. It's interesting to see how he's going to fit into the team because I was also just kind of thinking about Bruno Fernandes, right? Like, I'm wondering if Ronaldo is going to overshadow his role at United because we saw a little bit of that during the Euros where, like, Fernandes was just not as good as he was with United. So I'm just wondering, like, whether Ronaldo is going to add, like, another dimension or he's just going to make, like, overshadow the rest of his teammates. Bruno Fernandes is the type of player who likes to be the talisman and likes to be the main character of the film. And I mean, Ronaldo, same with Pogba. Say, yeah, same with Pogba. But, but I just think that like that Ronaldo point is interesting because he will definitely take over everything, and the, the team will, if not now, slowly be surrounded to make sure that Ronaldo is the main guy. You know, they play to his strengths. And people that say that he'll give twenty goals this season um i doubt that i doubt 20 i doubt 20 at 36 in the premier league Serie A is not the premier league it definitely gives the side more squad depth which is definitely something they struggled with when it came to the europa league final but that is only kind of like one game where it was highly noticeable just how weak of a bench they actually had and there was like nothing they could do to change the match so from that perspective you look at it and you're like okay at least we're adding more depth and if he does score 20 goals, which is a very high number that I, I agree, I doubt he would get that high. But if he does score 20 goals, he's basically reimbursed his entire 17 million fee, which is pretty incredible. Has there been any rumors about Cavani, Costi? Like, have you heard anything? Because he's still at the club. It doesn't make sense to me that he's just going to be cast aside now. Cavani's okay being on the bench. Like, he, he hasn't thrown a fit about that yet. And he understands his role that way, which I think is fine. It's just the biggest thing that Mason Greenwood loses on is playing centrally, which has been amazing. And he just can't do that because most most probably it's going to be Ronaldo playing centrally. I think it is going to be interesting to see what happens. And obviously Greenwood scoring in all three games so far. So it does seem kind of weird that he will probably be moving out of that role. All right. Well, that'll be it for today. Great discussion as always with these two guys. Dower, where can people find you? At Dower Aziz 1. Amazing. Kasi, where can people find you? <laughs> At Football Masterminds. Also, uh, check out the preview show that the Mastermind site is producing. Yeah, you were on that this week. Yeah, I was going to mention that and it, while I was talking. It slipped my mind. But <laughs> the preview show is very cool with John and Declan hosting. And I was on that because Liverpool were playing Chelsea. And uh, I haven't talked to them about the game yet. But I'm sure I will in the coming days. And I want to know their view as well. Because they had... A similar point of view on Ronaldo that I did um, as Declan or John, one of them was mentioning that 
uh, Ronaldo can either be a huge boost or it can he can tie your team down because he's He's going to want to play every game and be the star of the show. But anyway, try to check out the Long Ball Preview Show. It's uh, it's awesome. John and Declan are great hosts. They do some fun games in the middle of the show as well. And you get to know their personality. I think it's awesome. And uh, yeah, people can find me on Football Masterminds, F-U-T-B-O-L Masterminds. Awesome. Thank you so much. And definitely check out the Long Ball Preview Show with John and Declan on our feeds. So that'll be it for today. You can find me at Desmond Reese and at Mastermind site. Thank you so much for listening, Dower Kasi. Thank you so much for joining me. We hope to have everyone back for another episode next time. Thank you and goodbye. Ooh.